Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Well, good morning. I am Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I am also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook and Instagram, uh, TikTok, YouTube show uh, where we basically talk about the life of a master craftsperson and running a trades-based service business. So uh, today is a very big show. It's typically one of my biggest of the year. It does not make, well, it does make sense. Uh, this is the nerdiest seemingly most boring, unsexy show we could possibly do, job costing, tracking material and labor, but literally, and you can see already, Travis from Alaska is 5 a.m. watching. John Peak's already there watching. We got people all over Instagram watching too because uh, people know that this single thing is basically the secret to all business, job costing, not just painting businesses, not just the trades businesses. This is literally the secret to all things business. Every single business in the world does this. In fact, this is the most important data and numbers you can get, margin. What does it take? What does it take to produce a dollar? What are the inputs? What are the outputs? Basically in our world, this is you track paint, you track labor, and the outcome of those numbers will tell you if you're doing good or bad. This is that proverbial data that we add to our feelings to help us run a successful business, but also keep our mental health intact, right? Um, if you ever want to regain evenings, weekends, or even sleep at night, this is the thing that you do. We have feelings. We're going to go up and down. We're going to have happy clients, sad clients. We're going to be happy. We're going to be sad, happy employees, sad employees. Through it all, the data is the thing that has given me the most peace in my entire world. So we're going to uh, jump into it today. And of course, uh, in the show notes everywhere, uh, there is um, there is my email address. And I will give you this template and the steps to professionalization. And um, yeah, it's going to be a great day. I have to type in a few tags here to make sure everybody gets it. Everybody who's watching on Facebook, got a ton of people on Facebook, ton of people on Instagram. Instagram, share it to your stories, repost on threads, repost on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Facebook people, share to your feed, share to the painting groups that you know, share to your story. Let's get this thing out here and let's rock and roll. All right. Give me just a second to tag a few things. All right, comment, I'm gonna share a little, give me just a second, put this in a couple groups right here. Then we're gonna deep dive into job costing. Thank you everybody for watching, hold tight, share, 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 share. Let's get this sucker out there and let's have a robust show. Also, if any of you guys at the end here want to, uh, if you have a job where you don't know if you did well or not, uh, what I am absolutely willing to do is to actually take your job and run it through, um, run it through uh, my job costing template. So if you, if you know materials, if you know labor, 
um, things like that, uh, you are more than welcome uh, to, to post those. And at the end of this, I can run through. We can also do scenarios where we tweak the numbers to see if you were profitable. If you weren't, then we can figure out how to get you profitable. So give me just a second. We're going to do our last bit of adjustment here. Okay, I think we're good. Uh, I oh, quiet now, quiet now, IG. Enough. All right. All right. Here we go, folks. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. This is the good one, folks. All right. Here we go. We're going to jump into this for people just joining us. The secret to all business and my template that I'm going to give you that I update every single year with more learnings is job costing. So let's get into it today. Mastering the basics. Show number. Oops. I forgot to update that. That is show 394. 394. Make sure I get that right. 394 job costing. All right. So there is a thing called the December, February paradox. And as always, post your questions, post your comments, everything. I'll be watching here, uh, everybody. Um, the December, February paradox. December, people are happy, happy face, right? Oh my God, we're killing it. We're crushing it. We 3X'd our business. It's amazing. It's amazing. Then we get to February and we get a bunch of sad faces. Uh, <laughs> this is because people find out about taxes. Right. And this is because most people do not job cost every job. They do not track their progress, their success day by day, week by week, quarter by quarter. They wait for taxes to come and then they actually find out if they made money or not. So feelings based up until December, then it's data based in February. And then we find out. So we're not uh, that we didn't really make any money because, again, we're running businesses based on feelings. So today we are going to do the thing that is most important. We are going to add the data to all of our feelings. Most people don't have data. I, we're, we're just going to be honest right here. Most people do not have the data that would let them know that they're actually doing well or not. Everybody has the feelings. So I feel it is my duty to help you guys find some peace uh, just like I did. So here's the thing. Lots of people have said these before. I'm the best. I'm the most expensive. And I'm booked out one year. All right. Number one, those are a lot of feelings based um, uh, sort of statements, right? Except the last one, you know how far you're booked out. I would even argue though, that most people don't even know. They, they say I'm booked out two months, but they can't tell you how they figure that out. It's a feelings-based thing. I can also help you with that. I'm the best. There is not a way to quantify this. You don't know that. That's a feelings best. I'm the most expensive. First off, most people don't know how they come up with their own prices, let alone know every single price of every single painting contractor in your area. It is statistically improbable that you are the most expensive there. Because here's the data that goes along with those things. Painting companies in the U.S. on average have 1.5 people go out of business in 1.5 years and the owner makes $43,000 a year. For those math majors out there, $43,000 a year is $21.5. I pay nearly every single human in my company more than $21.5 an hour. Most paint business owners in the U.S. only make $21.5 an hour. So... When we say we're the best, we're the most expensive, and I'm booked out a year, but then you're only 1.5 people, you're going to go out of business in a year and a half, and you're only taking 43K home a year. We have lots of feelings. We have lots of feelings based around this stuff. Most of it is not true. So today, I'm not saying you are bad. I'm not saying you're stupid, right? I have said all these things before too. They were feelings-based They were feelings based statements. What we are going to help you do today is add a little data to that. So what is job costing? It's basically tracking material and labor. God, this is simple. 
This is how much paint, how much labor. And the good part is all of this exists. You do not need to create this from whole cloth. Right now in your business, right now, there are invoices, there are payroll, there is your hours, there is uh, invoices, there's estimates. You have this data right now. The challenge is, can you actually put it together and do something with it? This is the foundational data of all business. This is not a secret to paint business, right? This isn't the secret to the trades businesses. This is foundational data for every single business. Target, REI, the Minnesota Vikings, they job cost. How much labor, how much material goes into producing their product? It is critical to solving all the common problems of number one, are you making money? That is actually, that is actually harder to answer than you think. Most people let their tax accountant tell them if they made money or not. The problem is tax accounting is different from managerial accounting. Your actual profit and loss in your managerial accounting is completely different than tax accounting. There's a different rubric. What you want to do on your P&L is post the highest possible profit. On your taxes, you want to post the lowest possible profit. And those things are divergent, right? Um, there's a whole bunch of deductions and, and uh, things that you do, uh, amortization that you take on your taxes that you don't take in your business. So I want you guys to separate that. You do not allow your tax person to tell you if you made money or not. Now, what they can do is take your profit and loss and then add a whole bunch of deductions and other things and then tell you how much you owe in taxes. But your profit and loss, and if you're actually making money, is completely different from taxes. From taxes. Um, also, guys, uh, we got people asking for the slides. I do not give you my slides. I will give you my template. My email address is in the notes. Please do not go to my website and fill in a estimate inquiry. People, painters, my email address is literally right in the show notes. You're going to get a quicker thing there. My poor office coordinator gets a ton of painters going to my website. They put in an estimate inquiry and said, I watched Ask a Painter, give me the templates. My email address is right here, folks. Give me an email. You go right to me. You don't have to go through my company or my office coordinator. So critical to solve all these problems. Am I making money? Estimating. This will tell you. Remember the proverbial, how much do you charge for X? This will actually guide you. When we do pricing experiments, we can mess with material, labor, and cost and actually come up with the perfect price for your company. Scheduling. Everybody hates scheduling. Everything is kind of all over the place. How can we possibly schedule? There's so many different variables and things like that. This literally will solve the scheduling thing for you. And also comp plans, coaching, development of your people, budgets, bonuses. We set all of our compensation plans and our bonuses based on job costing. It is the critical, most important piece of foundational data you can have in your company. So what I want you to understand is that this is a grit thing, not a technology thing. The proof in this is I don't use software in my business outside of a couple little things to, to facilitate everything else. I made my own template and all you're doing is writing down material and labor. Yes, there are pieces of software or apps or things that can do this, but the problem is the app doesn't do this for you. It is still dependent on you getting those numbers accurately and putting them in. It does not matter. There's some things that can make it a little easier for you, but literally this is a consistency thing, not a technology thing. You just need to do it. You should do this every single job. The longest time span that we do it in my company is a week. At, at every week, we gather up all the completed jobs. We do the job costing for each. If it goes past a week, you will forget the information. You will not have a clear uh, vision of the job. Um, we review weekly uh, for those patterns as well, too. So then industry benchmarks, that's what this is based on. So Dustin Hutchinson has a question. Based on the typical 14 by 14 foot bedroom, what is the Nick Slavic painting and restoration standard for how many hours? I'm going to show you that later. I'm going to show you that later. So. 
uh, I'll actually show you the budget. I'll come up for a budget for that. And it's not based on the room. It's based on how much you charge. So um, yeah, basically that. Uh, we'll show you, uh, it doesn't even matter for the project, Dustin. You were asking for that particular project. I'll tell you whatever you end up charging, I'll tell you how many hours it should take. We actually have a formula later on here. So, all right, industry benchmarks. So a lot of these things are based on benchmarks. Uh, we determine if we're doing good or bad based on some industry benchmarks, right? And these industry benchmarks are gonna change slightly if you're a small company, one person company versus a 10 person company, things like that. So here is the typical $1 million company right here. Uh, painters work 2000 hours a year. That's 50 weeks at 40 hours a week, assuming a painter takes a full-time job and takes two weeks off a year. If they generate $75 of revenue per hour, which I would argue is the low baseline in our industry, uh, which you should be generating, that painter will create $150,000 of revenue for the company. But again, that doesn't go into the owner's pocket, right? You got to pay for material. You got to pay for labor. You got to pay for all the overhead. And if you do everything right, there might be a little left over at the end for the actual owner. So seven painters could create about a million fifty thousand dollars worth of work a year. These are the most critical numbers in this entire industry. 15% labor and, for, excuse me, 15% material and 40% labor. Now, you can make the argument that these could go up and down, but these are the most commonly accepted material and labor benchmarks. Benchmarks are here for a reason. A benchmark is this, the line. If you go over in materials, if you go 16, 17, 18%, you may not be wrong, but you're above the benchmark. That means you have overspent on materials. On labor, 40%, if you go 41, 42, 43, again, you may not be wrong, but the problem is that is your over under to tell you if you did good or bad. Now, there's an interplay between all this, which is if materials are low and labor goes a little high, you still may meet that magic number, the gross profit, 45%. So think of your revenue as 100% of the money. You minus 15% material, you minus 15% for labor. Hopefully, if you do everything right, that will leave you 45% gross profit in which you need to pay for the overhead of the company, 30%. If everything goes right all the time, whoops, if everything goes right all the time, the owner may be left with 15%. This does not happen in a lot of companies and it needs to be a slog, a fight, uh, constant accountability, grit, consistency every single day in order to do this. This does not happen uh, by mistake, right? It does not happen by mistake. So these are the magic numbers in our industry right here. So, all right. Before we get into the basics of this, let's go through a couple questions here. Uh, Chris, I'm curious, what softwares do you use? We use Slack, we use Trello for some stuff, but honestly, everything is Google. Everything is Google, we just do it ourselves. Chris Kent, last year we started holding weekly production meetings, leadership team meetings for an hour, evaluate schedule, invoicing, and job costing. It's been a game changer. We now have the ability to make real-time decisions based on the data. There you go. And it's accountability method as well too. So. Oh boy, John, John, my friend, John, if you stock brushes, rollers, and tape, how do you uh, charge the job for them? Here's the deal. I have a slide here coming up. Watch well, actually this one right here. I do not collect data for sundries, right? So here's the problem. Yes, it is part of your variable expense, your material expenses. But for me, it's, it's significantly less than 1% of all my revenue. And it takes a beast to track all of it. How many inches of tape? How many scoops of putty? How many feet of plastic? How many brushes? What's the amortization on that brush? How many jobs have we used it on? How about a roller cover? Did we use it for two jobs? One color, did we wash it out, use it again? Did we throw it away? How about a roller frame? Does that last 12 jobs? Do we have to amortize that price over 12 jobs? The problem is 
it's such a small amount and takes so much to collect. I don't collect it. I, I never, ever, ever let perfect stand in the way of really good. I assume it's going to be less than 1%. So there's an industry benchmark of 15% materials. I would like to have paint and sundries be in that. Benchmark is 15%. Internally in my company, I would like to keep materials to about 13 or 14% and give us that 1% buffer uh, for those sundries. But again, folks, here's the deal. What people will never focus on, they never have questions on, is labor. Everybody fixates on paint and sundries. And from this day forth, I want you to stop. I want you to stop. The price of paint is not what's keeping you from profitability. The amount of tape or brushes or any sundries that you use is not keeping you from profitability. But we fixate. We fixate. And John, this is not you. I know that. I'm just using your question as an example here. Stop it. Just stop it. Focus 100% on labor. If you go bankrupt, if you are one of those companies that makes $43,000 a year and then only lasts a year and a half, I can guarantee you it's not because of sundries. It is 100% because of labor. 100% because of labor. I would argue it's not even overhead. Very few people have too many trucks and too many shops. Almost everybody goes over because of labor. Labor, 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 labor. Blinders on. Focus on labor and focus on labor in a way where if you want to improve it, train the living daylights out of your people so that they're more efficient and they stay longer. That's what we do here. So, okay, how do job costs? We're going to start with materials. Materials is the easiest one in here. It's paint plus tax plus paint care. In my state, we have paint care. We pay a certain amount per gallon in order for have that stuff to uh, be recycled at any time. Um, what I want you to take away from this is if Sherwin-Williams gives you a price of duration for $39 a gallon, you do not job cost for $39 a gallon. You need to add up all the tax, all the state, local, federal tax, all the paint care stuff, everything. So how do we figure out the actual price of paint? What you do is you go to your Sherwin-Williams, you ring out one gallon of duration mat. And whatever it says on the bottom, whatever you actually have to pay, that is how much you pay. You must, must, must take into account tax and all the other associated things uh, with that. And that can be found in the invoice of all your stuff. Right now, you can go to Sherwin-Williams website and pull up all your invoices. Done. It's already there. It's already there. I actually set up a system with my Sherwin-Williams where every time there's an invoice, they send me an email. So now in my email inbox, we have, you know, 17 emails from Sherwin this week from all the orders and they all have a job name on them and one of the tasks of my office coordinator is to open that up find the job dump it in the folder my google drive folder so that we can job cost it's all there for you it's all there for you you trip over this stuff you can set up these little automatic systems to make sure this stuff is done for you just remember folks quit it quit it quit it with the materials quit it with the sundries record them be exact do your thing but every single human diverts all their time and energy to tape and plastic and brushes and rollers and tarps and not labor and not labor, right? Stop it. Stop it right now. All right. Oh, we got a lot of good questions in here. Brian Santos, good friend here. <laughs> yep. You got it. Labor is the deal, my friend. You know, you've been in this industry long enough. Chris Kiefer, thanks for that. Having met too many painters that they need software to fix their companies that are 10 million in revenue that have minimal softwares. It's a process of the people and the consistency that grows businesses. The right software will make you more efficient, but they don't solve management and business sense. Chris, couldn't have said it better myself. Everybody who thinks that if you can shove, shovel money into another company, 
a marketing company, a software company, a coach, a thing like that, and automatically you're, you're going to do nothing and then have all your problems solved, you are wrong. This is a thing that you own and we need, uh, sorry, I feel like I'm taking a very spicy tone today on Ask a Painter, but this is so critical for me. I, I really, okay, I promise I'll take a little more gentle tone the rest of this thing, but I will go through an entire show like this and I'm probably going to get about 132 emails from people asking for this template and then they will, half of those people will then say, Nick, I don't see a column for tape or plastic or something else. And I will say, for the love of God, stop it. Start with the other stuff. If you want to come up with a system, if you want to start with a system to track all your tape and your plastic and your ounces of putty and things like that, that's fine. But the problem is you're going to do that instead of actually tracking your labor correctly. And I would say track your paint, track your labor first, add in that later if you want. Um, we run a very big company based on industry averages, uh, a very successful company, and we do not track sundries. So I will tell you this, that's one data point for you. One data point for you. Chris Kiefer, bring the spice. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. Tony Ekman, do you think you can figure out your material number if you find out what number it is 15% and it's closed? Yes, that, that's another way of actually estimating too. So <laughs> Ben Bryant, my favorite handyman in New Prague here. It's the weather, Nick. I'm getting spicy too. Uh, I'm supposed to be ice fishing at this time of the year and it is raining in Minnesota. We have open water on our lakes. I do not like this. I do not like this. So uh, Elder, does it make a difference if I have a salary compared to hourly wage? You must track it. You must track it. Now, we can talk about that. This is not me pushing back on you, Elder. This is me saying if you have a salaried painter, it's going to be very hard to incentivize them or hold them accountable if you're guaranteeing that they're going to make money for the year, no, no matter what they produce on a job. So, uh, yes, you just take their salary and divide it by the numbers of hours they work or the weeks they work that week. So, uh, da, 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 da. John McPeak. I just started my business in the middle of the year. Right now, I'm the owner and operator out of Eastern Kentucky trying to find help. Uh, where I'm out right now, I should track. Oh, I should track my sundries. Where I'm out right now, should I track my sundries? Do not track your sundries, John Peak. Track your materials. And in fact, what you can do is do a check every once in a while. If you buy all your sundries and paint from Sherwin-Williams, just get an invoice at the end of the month. And now you have your total cost of materials. Uh, divide that by uh, divide revenue by that, and that'll tell you your material cost for the month. Oh, Pete, how's it going? Good buddy, Pete. One thing we started doing this year uh, job costing, uh, addition, uh, charge for every additional trip to the paint store after the project starts, 50 bucks. Uh, we were burning so much indirect labor and lack of planning. It was not getting to, yeah, there you go, man. Uh, accounting for all that stuff. So, what Pete's getting at there too is, well, do you track just the time for painting? Do you track the time for that? Yes, all of it. If my people clean out a sprayer, we're only cleaning that sprayer out because we used it on a job. That is a variable expense that gets tracked to that job. Uh, we don't necessarily track all the drive time to the job because typically it's before people punch in and after people punch out. But if they drive during the day, we are absolutely doing that. So, okay, let's stay on track here. Labor part. Collect labor costs for each, uh, for each project. Which person, what wage, and how many hours? That's it. And you can see on this template, there's a painter. There's a rate per hour. You type in the hours. It'll calculate total hours. And then it'll give you wages. Now, this is the biggest mistake every single human will make if they try to track job costing on their own without guidance of others. There's this thing called burden, right? Burden is the cost over and above wage that it costs you to employ humans, right? So if we hire a painter for $35 an hour, it does not just cost us 40 hours times $35 an hour, right? There's taxes involved. 
in, in my state, there is, well, not just my state, but there's FICA, there's Medicare, there's Social Security, there's uh, federal unemployment, there's state unemployment. Uh, the one thing I don't do uh, is include federal income tax and state income tax because those things are portions that the painter pays as well, too. So in my here's the deal, folks, people are going to say, oh, my God, we got to track all those ratios every week. Here's what I did for years. I tracked every single one of those numbers and how much it was compared to wages. And guess what? It was 25 percent plus or minus one percent every single week. So here's the thing. You will. You will drive yourself crazy drive, trying to calculate FICA Med, FICA SS, FUTA, SUTA, all the other things for your employees every single week for every single paycheck to the point where you'll probably stop job costing. The advice I was given before I started job costing was, Nick, you need to add burden and it's typically 25%. And I said, well, that's, we can't just automatically assume it's 25%. So I tracked it for two years and guess what? It's either 24, 25 or 26%. So guess what I did? I built in an automatic 25% burden in there. Why do we do this? Because you could be 25% off in your labor projections or your labor job costing. You could be, you will likely, if you don't add in burden, all your jobs will seem 25% more profitable than they actually are, which will make you want to kick back in a rocking chair, put your hands behind your head and say, by golly, I got this thing licked. I am an expert. Everything is going well. Meanwhile, you will likely go out of business you must account for that extra 25%. So I have it automatically built in there and I actually leave it in a column there because for you crazy people like, um, you know, California or New York or Florida, you, it may be higher, it may be lower. If it's significantly more or less than 25%, I allow you to have that column to change that percentage there. So Tim Pierpont, work comp insurance is also part of labor cost. Absolutely. You got it, man. You got it. Uh, in my PL, I actually track um, insurance because it's such a significant item. I mean, it might be like 200 grand a year. Um, I track it as a separate line item, but then I also add it into labor on my PL uh, as well too. Uh, but that that is sort of like, insurance is kind of a weird thing because there's liability insurance, there's work comp, there's unemployment. Some are direct costs based on the number of hours and some are just not. So uh, we have to, uh, that's why I track it separately, but then I add it in managerially inter uh, internally in my company when I do my benchmarks. So, all right, let's keep rolling along here. Uh, let's see, I should probably check IG here. Um, oh my God, lots of awesome people watching on IG. Uh, give me just a second. Getting good. Thanks everybody for watching. Yeah, love this. absolutely love this. Okay, so now let's get into uh, judging job success. Now, the biggest dumb dumb sort of sniff test you can do on your business is revenue per hour. Revenue per hour. Uh, Chris Kent, does the twenty five percent include things like PTO accumulation and other labor that isn't directly attributed? Yeah, so that's in there. PTO for me gets tracked into. There's the specific. So job costing isn't necessarily your profit and loss. What job costing solves is on this project, on this project, the painting time and the material time, did we make a success there? But then you have to stand back a little bit with your profit and loss. Then you add in all the other stuff and then figure out if you're going over your labor uh, stuff uh, as well. But what we're starting off is at the job level. Then we start looking at the company level. 
uh, above that. So I don't want you guys to overthink this. We're looking for direct labor costs and we're looking for direct material cost on this stuff. On our profit loss, when we take a larger step back in aggregate, not just a job, but the weekly total, the monthly total, the quarterly total, then we start looking at all the insurances and everything else in there. Uh, you know, all the other variable costs and things like that. So just don't overthink it, everybody. I know you guys got lots of pointed questions, but uh, yeah, just don't overthink it. Um, start with this and uh, we can come up with questions uh, as you go. So um, job success, revenue per hour. I give you this calculation here, but I want you to be very careful with it because uh, depending on how much you pay people, uh, this can be a very accurate or inaccurate number. If you have fairly low paid employees, let's talk in the low 20s, right? Um, I wouldn't say it's low pay, that's actually very high pay. But on the on the end of your pay scale, if you have an apprentice in their first quarter making $20, $22 an hour versus a master craftsperson making 30 or 35, this number will stay the same, but the profitability of the project might be different because this is only tracking how much revenue is generated per hour, not the cost of that revenue. So the same project that will give you a revenue of $80 an hour might be a profitable, good gross profit project. If people with a lower wage are on it, it could be an unprofitable project if you have very high priced employees on it. That may not be true. It may still be profitable, but you have to be careful. It's only one quick sniff test. It's not perfect, though. Absolutely not perfect. I would argue this entire industry should be generating $75 of revenue per hour at the minimum at the minimum, 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 in order to run a professional business. And I have some people email me and say, well, Nick, Jesus, I mean, you're really raking these clients over the coal $75 an hour. I mean, my God, um, when I was a painter, I was only making 20 bucks an hour. What the heck? The problem is, folks, you're not taking into account any of this labor burden, overhead, and everything else. If you're lucky, zero, one, two, three, four, five, maybe 10% of that will actually go back to the business owner. The cost of running a business is huge. And if if the industry statistics makes complete sense, well, Nick, listen, I'm not, I, I, I used to make $20 an hour as a painter. I'm going to start a company and make $35. I'm going to charge $35 an hour. That's a lot of money. Here's the problem. It costs at a minimum between 55 and 75 to actually run any business at all. So that's why most paint business owners take home $21 an hour a year. They go out of business in a year and a half because of that very number right there. I had a plumber come to my shop the other day, uh, pull the toilet, snake the drain, and it was $280. was there for less than an hour. He didn't bat an eye at that. He had to drive over here. We had to get the job set up. He had to assess it, do something on a very short notice, put it all back, make sure it's working, and leave. He didn't have any problem charging $280 an hour, right? But we think we should only be charging $30 an hour for all this. The problem is charge what you want, but you're going out of business if you produce less than $55 to $75 an hour. That's just how it is. So, oops, let's go back to this one here. Job success. So the pro of revenue per hour is it's quick and easy. The flaw, it's not accurate for the rate of the employees. Okay. All right, job costing, judging job success. Gross profit is the much better way. So when we talk about gross profit, this is the number that you're just going to have to have in your blood. It took me about a year to really understand gross profit because I can say the words and understand the math, but I need to attach a, um, a feeling to it, a feeling to it, right? So 45% is the number you need to burn into your head. We can argue it's 40, we can argue it's 50, maybe even higher, but either way, this is the most commonly accepted general benchmark in the industry. And holy cow, we got a lot of people watching here on uh, Instagram and Facebook. This is awesome. Uh, thank you. Uh, we'll take a pause right here before we get into job costing the meat of this. 
Number one, thank you guys for watching. Right now, huge ask. This is all free, folks. I got nothing to sell you. I'm not a coach. I don't have a system. I don't have a training process to sell you. I am here on Saturday morning on family time doing this for you for free. All I ask is that you share this show. Put it in your story. Put it in your feed. Put it in the Painter Facebook groups. Put it all over the place. Instagram stories, things like that. This will help us more than you know. My email address is literally in the show notes on Facebook. So anybody watching on IG, my email address is in the show notes. I will send you this very template we're looking at. I will also help you fill it out if you have any questions, right? And I'm going to show you this template later. And if any of you want to run a job that you have, if you know material and labor, I can actually run it through this template and show you good or bad. We'll also go through some examples here later on as well. So job costing. So think about the, the job costing equation, which is think of revenue as 100% of the pot. You minus out your labor percentage, material percentage, and that'll give you gross profit. In my company, the goal is 45% gross profit. Obviously, labor 40%, material 15%. The, the pro of this, it's the most accurate easy way to job, job job success, right? If every single one of your jobs is 45% gross profit or higher, that will give you enough money to pay for overhead. Now you have to manage overhead. It doesn't mean you're automatically going to do an amazing uh, job running your business because you still have to manage overhead. That is a completely different show. Overhead is not taken into account in job costing. These There's only two kinds of expenses in business, variable and fixed. Variable expenses are expenses you only incur when you have a job. So think about if it's winter now and we have no work next week, we're not going to be paid wages because no painters are working. We're not going to be buying paint, but we're sure as hell going to be paying for overhead. That's fixed cost. Whether you have a job or not, you have fixed costs. So we want to separate those costs out. Jobs that we incur because of a job and jobs that are there no matter if we have a job or not. Job costing is only variable expense. The flaw, it's higher or lower based on company size. So if you're a single owner operator, I could make the argument that it probably should be really, really closer to 50% profit, 50% fixed and variable cost. But again, I don't want to complicate this. I want you guys to get used to the numbers of 15 and 40, because if you ever take on an employee, all those sole proprietor numbers don't matter. Now you're stuck with 15% material, 40% labor. That's your benchmark, right? Problem solving with job costing. The problem is I'm not making any money. So what do we do with job costing, right? If your materials are above 15%, you're not accurately estimating materials or there's waste or, or you're not charging enough, right? Because remember, if we want to change the percentage of materials, we can just sprinkle in more revenue and that automatically changes. So what you have to track then is, was there a bunch of wasted pain on site? Uh, did I not charge enough because I completely misestimated? The most common example of this would be Locks on XP on a stucco exterior. Almost everybody underestimates how much paint goes into that. The same house with stucco versus just regular uh, LP smart side could take two or three times more paint. So if it takes 30 gallons to paint an LP smart side house, it will likely take 80 to paint on stucco just because the spread rate isn't enough, things like that. So, all right. Jonathan McPeak here in Eastern Kentucky. My old boss has been in business 30 years doing commercial and residential. I was a project manager running a crew of three painters and was making $14 an hour and he wouldn't budget it. That's why I started my own company. Well, that's the thing. If, if he can run a successful business like that and, and, and pay people that, that's fine. The problem is there's lots of options out there. Like right now, you can go work at McDonald's or Walgreens in my town, have no labor and no responsibility 
you might have some weird hours and probably make 17 or 18 bucks an hour. So yeah, it just is what it is. I don't want to talk down uh, about that old boss. He may have his reasons for doing that. But again, the problem is if you if you bring your labor rate down far enough, people have lots of options, right? Especially if you're a very high demanding person, people will go to where the least friction is and the least amount of accountability. That's just how it works. So labor, what happens if you're above labor? So you can see my conditional formatting here. Um, there's red and there's green. I have formatted this for you so that uh, if you do well, things turn green. If you do bad, things turn red. And so then you can uh, do pattern detection, things like that. So if your labor is above 40%, you may not be pricing your job correctly or you're inefficient. One of those two things, right? You don't have or follow SOPs. You're not training your people. You're not holding your people accountable. Now, here's the thing. Every single time when people do job costing and they get a lot of reds in there, they think, well, I'm just going to increase my price. I would be very careful with that, right? Yes, that is one thing you should probably do anyway. But the problem is most people completely overlook this part here. Oh, let's see, where's my mouse? This part here, which is you probably don't have SOPs. You probably don't have onboarding, probably don't have training, probably don't have an accountability system. So increase your price all you want. You're going to create a lot of friction on job sites if people aren't on a standardized process. So don't overlook that. Don't overlook that at all. Oh, problem. Am I estimating the correct price? Let's go through some questions here quick. Oscar Milan. Good morning, my friend. Mike Walsh, uh, is your labor based on the average cost of labor? No, it is not. In my template, and I'm going to show you later, you type in a painter's name. You type in their wage. You type in how many hours. It is the exact amount of hours. We do not approximate anything here except for labor burden. You will put in how many gallons of Sherwin-Williams duration mat, your exact cost for them, get the exact cost of paint. You will put in your painter's name, their wage, how many hours, and get the exact cost of labor. We do not approximate anything on job costing, okay? Am I estimating the correct price? If gross profit consistently is lower than 45%, you have to ask yourself a series of questions, right? Price is not always the answer, folks. Running a more efficient business and supporting your people typically is. Are you pricing your work consistently? doing a sniff test saying, ah, we'll try this all the time. You can't make judgments and decisions based on gross profit if your prices are all over the place. You need to have consistent pricing, consistent labor. Then you can start tweaking. Are your people producing consistently, right? Do they have SOPs? Have you trained them? All that sort of stuff. Are you booked out more to four to eight, four to eight weeks, right? If you, if you are booked out a very long time, which we love to brag about, you might be giving your work away. I do not want people to get out over their skis and, and hold that as a point of pride. Uh, the laws of supply and demand, basic economics are that people will take a lot of things that are free. They will take a lot less of things that are very expensive. So in the middle there, properly priced work, I like to only be about two to four weeks out in my company. And we're doing you know 3 million bucks a year. That's a very razor thin margin. But the problem is we're losing tons of work if we're out more than four weeks. People say, I'm not waiting that long. That's not the, the society we live in. People always want stuff really, really soon. So I would say a really successful business, um, the perfect price, when we get into the uh, estimating thing, which you've heard me say, the perfect price for every company, what do we charge for X is the highest possible price you can charge while filling your schedule. And when you produce it, it's produced profitably. If those three things are yes, 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 I would argue you have a very good high market price. I would keep increasing that till you have gaps in the schedule. So are you pricing your work consistently? Are your people producing work consistently? Are you booked out more than four to eight weeks? Are you closing more than 50% of your estimates? Sniff test. If you run a, a business with employees and you're closing more than 50% of your estimates, I would always look at price. 
A benchmark for us is 47 to 50% close ratio. That tells us we're in the ballpark of the right price. It's not a guarantee, right? It's not a guarantee. But if we close half the work that we estimate, that tells us we're kind of in the ballpark of what we need uh, for our business size. So, all right. Uh, da, 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 da. Sam, Mulencamp, we've been using this exact sheet for a whole year. When done regularly, this data causes my feelings. Yes, this is a great thing. This helps so much, guys. Austin, what do we got here? Have you found a sweet spot for the number of people on a crew? I have three person crew not finding it's not very profitable. Yes. Um, in my company, in my area with my people, one is the optimal size. But I also respect that people sometimes mentally and spiritually work better in teams and like that support. So for me, um, we have one person crews, two person crews and three person crews. And then when we use our subcontractors, sometimes they're eight, nine, ten. Uh, but the incentive there is to get the job done and we don't pay them hourly. So completely different. But um, if you said make the most profit, I would break everyone out in single person crew. If you said, well, if we can't do that, what's the next best? I would say based on personality, we will have one, two and three person crews based on how they perform and we track it by job costing. So do, 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 do. Ah, love this. Do I factor in my labor costs when I'm in the field? Yes. The final slide of this. We'll tell you that you need to account for your own labor. Otherwise, this is complete BS and you have no way to judge whether your projects are good. I'll show you this later. But if you are a sole owner operator, I would at least start marking your labor down as worth $30 an hour. Because the, the thought experiment is how much would you have to pay somebody in order to do your job there? Most of us are very good, fast craftspeople. So charge yourself at least $30 an hour and, and sometimes even more, sometimes even more. Solving problems with job costing. How do I schedule? How do I schedule, right? We love this sort of thing. How do we schedule? All right, Justin Collins, before we get into that, you might've said this already, but how should uh, a star in a car use for revenue? Oh, single owner operator revenue per hour goal. Right now, I'm just using a standard $25 an hour for keeping track of my labor. As a point of reference, Justin, I would start allocating your labor at at least $30 an hour. And here's the thing, folks. If you're a single owner operator, at a minimum, you should be generating $75 to $100 of revenue an hour. I would argue it should be about $150 because we are highly incentivized. We're typically very good at this and we're very fast. If when I was a sole proprietor, if I produced less than $150 to $200 of revenue an hour, I questioned whether I estimated the job right or I'm taking too long on some things. I would, I would urge you guys, because you are so good, you're so fast, you provide such a good service that you should be you should be generating, not saying charging, I'm saying generating, that's two very different things. Generating is providing that amount of value per hour. Um, I used to never do T&M work because somebody that I know would say, hey, Nick, how much would you charge for a T&M project? I say, this is gonna sound like I'm gonna rob you, but I charge about $150 time and materials. The problem is what you're not, what they don't understand is you can produce $200 of revenue value per hour for that client. And they will only see it as a high price. They never ask how much you generate per hour. So you have to have a very careful conversation with that. Uh, Chris Kent, we've seen a drop in efficiency in crews over two people, 100%. That is a math problem. That is a clear data point in my company. You add more than two people on a job site, that job site is forsaken. Nothing good will happen on that job site, just how it is, right? Do, 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 do. We close rate. Thank you. Do, 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 do. What timekeeping app do you use? Uh, we use something called TimeStation. I've used it for 10 years. I've never looked at another one. This is not an endorsement of it. It's just what I use. 
Okay, okay, let's get back to it. Um, how do I schedule, right? So you can start with project budgets with a simple equation. Uh, in this job costing template, there's a, a column called budget. It will tell you how many hours this job should take if you want to create $75 an hour. Now, when you schedule, you can say, well, that's a 7.6 hour job or that's a 220 hour job. You can actually overlay it on your painter schedule and it's not a mystery, right? Now, we all know people are sick. Things take longer. Things go faster. It's fine. But at least you have a starting point, right? And that's the most important part. So here's the here is the actual equation up here, which is revenue minus estimated materials, 15%, right? And then divided by your revenue per hour goal. So basically, if you have a $1,000 job, I take out 150 bucks for materials. That leaves you with about $850. I divide by 75 because that's how much money I, I want to generate per hour to support the company and my people. And that'll give you 11.3 hours to complete a $1,000 job if you want to produce $75 of revenue per hour. You can absolutely change that. 55, 65, 150, things like that. And then I'll tell you, it's not saying you have to do that job in that amount of hours. It's telling you if you want to make that money, if you want to generate that revenue, you have to do it in that many hours. It's a starting point. And this template automatically generates that for you. Um, all my painter's comp plans are dependent on this, hitting that budget every single time. Now it's lower in my company because we have a lot of apprentices. Uh, we go at $65 of revenue an hour. Uh, I, want, I really want to stack up some wins for them. And 65 will sort of support the goals of the company. We really have to uh, press hard in that area, but I do want my people to win and get raises as well too, because that inspires people. So yeah, but that's how we schedule. You can overlay the amount of hours per job uh, and get in there and uh, schedule. How do I incentivize my people, right? So when you think about hourly employees, advancement based on the success of projects, um, it would be a bad strategy to success, uh, to incentivize your um uh, painters by just giving them a salary because they're going to make that money whether they produce or not and even show up or not. So that that doesn't always align. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. It's just not. It makes a very weirdly incentivized system. I know people that do it. That's fine. I'm not going to argue with it. But basically what we do is we give people the chance at four one dollar an hour raises a year. If they hit 75 percent of their projects, hit this hourly benchmark, uh, this hourly budget uh, on their jobs. <clears throat> I would consider that, if I'm being very honest, C grade work. 75%, if you remember back from high school, is a C grade. So basically what I'm asking from my people, and this will support by math, uh, the goals of the company, uh, at $65 an hour of revenue generation, if every single one of my people hit 75% of the hourly budgets on their projects, we can still run a company that will support all the health insurance, the time off, the four day work week, all the other uh, uniforms, incentives, vehicles, overhead, uh, all that other stuff at the company. Now, I would like that to be obviously higher, but I also really care for my people and I want them to get a bunch of wins and stuff there too. So now salary and, and benefits and bonus structure. Now here's the deal. Uh, all the incentives are aligned. My estimators and project managers are given a percentage of the revenue that is good gross profit. So basically the bonus system in my company for people who have a salary plus bonus is, and I just threw up some basic examples to give you guys a sniff test, but how this works is we have an estimator that makes a base pay and has a huge benefit package. And then every quarter we sit down in job costing and we figure out how many of your jobs did this versus this based on gross profit. What I do is every job that did 45% or better gross profit, we put it in a separate column, we add up that revenue and give them a percentage of that revenue as a bonus for estimating that stuff correctly. Now, on the jobs that don't necessarily hit gross profit, doesn't mean they didn't estimate correctly, but it means that they weren't produced profitably. So it's an aligned incentive where our project managers, our estimators and our painters are all incentivized by the success 
of that project. A callback is charged extra hours, right? So we don't want that. That'll go over budget. We want a project to be priced properly, produced properly, and then painted properly all together. And those three people, there's a healthy tension between those where uh, painters and project managers may sometimes question the scope and price, which is an estimator's thing. Painters, or excuse me, estimators may question the painters saying, hey, listen, I estimated this thing really well and we went way over budget. What happened? <clears throat> and it's usually, it, it's almost never price. It's never painting SOP. It's never project management SOP. It's just the irrationality of humans that make a project go over. Some people start a job uh, with the idea that it's never going to be produced profit profitably. And guess what? They carry through with that thought and, and they manifest it. Some people start with the idea that this is going to be awesome. We're going to be way under budget and they do. Some people have personal things going on in their life and other things. And I've just, I've seen it in the data a thousand times. Um, most people are fairly consistent, but I can see it in the data when things go sideways in people's personal lives. It does affect the job costing of the jobs. So that's basically what we do. Things I have learned. All right, before we jump into this one, let's see if we got any other. Chris, do you use Google Sheets for estimating as well? Yes, I do. Alexander Lopez, interesting take on the one to two guy teams. Our boy Tanner Mullen has teams of four, which I've adopted for our company, but we do have an issue uh, that may be corrected by having less painters on the job. Also looking for better training, of course. So here's the deal. Uh, I This is why I say this is just my data point in the industry. I have a pure data point, which says the more people you put on a job site, the less chance it has of being profitable. It just is now. And I say that because in my state, doing my type of work, with my style of company, with my style of management and my type of humans. It might be completely different in, in other companies and other locations there. So, all right. So things I have learned. And then uh, I'm going to try to get to some IG questions here, but uh, oh, stop there for a second. Um, oh, man. Lots of people watching on IG. Lots of people watching on Facebook. I appreciate this deeply, guys. Um, let's see if I can past any questions oh, looks like we're good on ing thank you everybody for watching i do appreciate that uh also if you guys have any other questions comments or you want me to job cost in live time a job that you have <clears throat> we can anonymize the painters names the job name everything but if you know material and labor for a job i can actually run it through and tell you if you hit gross profit here so also we'll do some examples together here i'll pull up my uh i'll pull up my sheet um let's see what else we got here uh yes Take one more pause here, everybody. And if you have not already, share this bad boy. This is one of my favorite shows of the year. It's one of the most watched shows of the year. I give you my template. My email is in the Facebook show notes here. I will send you my steps to professionalization. Job costing is one of them. I will also send you this exact template we're looking at, and I will help you through it if you need the help there. So, um, oh yeah, Dan, just can you reference how you get the templates? All right, folks, in the show notes. I tell you exactly how to get them. I give you my email address and I tell you what to ask for. Do that. Do that. Please do not go through my website and go through my estimating request system and do this. That is way harder than just emailing me. My email address is in the Facebook show notes. You can get a hold of me anytime. Uh, if, uh, if it doesn't show up in the live feed right now, uh, it will show up as soon as we're done here. So um, take a second right now and everybody hit share. <clears throat> it takes no no, it does not take a lot of effort from you. It does not take any money from you. I'm giving you this all for free. So please, 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 please share this. Put it in your story. Put it in your feed. Put it in your painter Facebook groups. Um, there is, when I call the show notes, is the post. There is the post that says, Ask a Painter Live number 394. And then there's a bunch of links and notes under there. That's where that stuff is. All right. 
that's where that stuff is. So I'm going to take this time right now and just make sure I do this to make it dummy proof. While I'm doing this, you guys get in there and share, share, share. All right, there you go. Can't make it any easier for you guys. I put it in the comments as well, too. So things I have learned, my friends, you must have accurate material and labor tracking. In the past, in the past, this has fluctuated as much as 30%, which completely rendered all this job costing useless. You need to have a way to track your people's labor for these jobs every day. There is a process. And again, remember, an app does not do this for you. An app does not do this for you. You have to put the, the data in. There's an old software and uh, uh, <clears throat> technology saying garbage in, garbage out, right? If you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. So what we do every single day, this is how we solve accuracy. Because you think, oh, just add up the number of labor hours. It's not that easy, folks, when you have a whole bunch of people out in the field, right? So what we do is on our timekeeping app, every single morning I sit down with my project managers, first thing, and we sit down and look at, did everybody track their hours properly on our, on our work orders, the things that we call the jump sheet? Did they actually, if they got paid for 10.2 hours on a Tuesday, did they put 10.2 in, right? And there's where you start running into the things where, well, listen, I cleaned out a sprayer, so that wasn't painting, so I didn't charge that time against there. It's not malicious things. People aren't trying to pad their time. What we found is that somebody said, well, hey, I was cleaning the brushes for this job. It wasn't technically painting, so I didn't, I didn't write my hours down for that. Well... The thing is, you wouldn't have been washing those brushes without taking on that job. That is part of that job. That is part of that. All the effort that it takes to, to set up, produce, and clean up that job gets charged of that job no matter what. Because otherwise, your job costing is going to be way off. You're going to be high-fiving your people, and you're going to be running an unprofitable company. So we have to be really careful there. Burden. 25% on wages. That is the most important thing here, which is great. Track your labor, track your wages, but you got to throw in burden in there. You need to review weekly or by project. If you're a small company, I would do by project, right? In my company, we can't do it because they we, we end up doing somewhere between eight and 18 projects a week. And we can't stop everything we're doing the second a project is done doing that. So we actually do it weekly. We have our, um, our, our office coordinator do all the job costing, and then I review it personally with him do that. Make changes ASAP. So when you're seeing things, if you're seeing a string of jobs like, hey, my big trim projects are hugely unprofitable, you need to immediately sit down and say, is our painting process bad or is our price bad or both? And you need to start thinking about uh, a thought experiment to change some variable, not wait till the end of the year, things like that. So make changes ASAP. Um, assign yourself a wage. I always recommend 30 bucks an hour, give or take. All right. Uh, let's see here. Looking through some comments. Okay. Justin calls. We, I think he's offering a job to throw through the template. We'll do that one first here. Uh, Florian, uh, do you give your employee to mark their hours every day? Yes. They must go on to our work orders and mark those. That's a Google sheet and they can access it from their phone. And at the end of every day, they have to put their hours in there. That's the most important part. Yeah. And so here's the thing, folks, you guys are going to have a thousand questions. They're all going to be great questions. But I want you to do right now is put your blinders on, stop it and just start job costing. It's not going to be perfect. You're going to immediately after your first couple of jobs have a lot of questions. Don't ask them now. Ask them then. Track your labor, track your materials, just start. 
it probably took me two years before I refine this to the most beautiful, simple, accurate thing that we do now. And it is not just entering numbers, it's systems around these things so we can have the accurate numbers. And then we have a system where we input them in at certain times. So this template isn't gonna save your life. It may not even change your life, but it's certainly gonna point out what you need to do to run a professional business. It will make you be very introspective and start inspecting every single process. Well, hey, it's simple. Let's just add up our hours and put them in there. But then something doesn't make sense. So then you say, well, okay, now we need a system of tracking hours. So then we use an app. Well, then the app are people actually punching in and punching out accurately. And when they do, is it assigned to a job or not? Do we need to parse all that stuff out? And you start going down this rabbit hole of like finer points, but you're not going to get there. You're not going to answer. You're not going to ask the right question until you just start. So please, for the love of God, everybody on Instagram and Facebook, just start this. You're going to get my template today, tomorrow, next week. Just start. Do not let perfect stand in the way of really, really good. If you ideate on this, if you keep asking me questions and you've never entered in a number here, you're wrong. You need to just start. You need to just start. All right. Stop fixating on materials and start getting uh, really interested in labor. You just have to get really interested in labor, right? If nothing else, track your labor accurately. It is the most important thing you can do for your painting company. So let's see if I can pull up my template here. And I believe Mr. Cowles uh, offered us. Here's my template that I'm going to give to you guys. A couple things I want you to see here, which is I have an example for you filled out already, right? And because of this weird app that I'm sharing on now, it's not going to be the most accurate thing. What I really want to do is change in desktop mode, but the, the best way I can do to change is to leave it in this sort of mobile uh, format right here. I'm not going to be able to show you my whole thing, but I will tell you this, there is an example there for you. I also made a little dashboard for you guys to actually show you, let's see what we got here. Can we do that? Nah, that doesn't even show it either. Okay. Uh, yeah, a dashboard. So it'll actually add up all your job costing and give you some really sniff tests. This doesn't tell you if you're running a profitable business. It just gives you some trend lines, things like that. And then we actually have our job costing. So let's get this bad boy back up here. I'm going to try to manipulate this thing in a way. Oh, let's do this. All right. This is a little bit bigger here so I can show you guys. And the problem is because of this dang sharing here, I'm not going to be able to show. Uh, ah, pain in the rear end. Yeah. Okay. So let's see if I can recenter this. Do, 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 do. Oh, come on. Okay, so this will be the most important thing, and I'll see if I can't. Okay, that's going to be functional for us now. So what we will do is I'm going to just put in here Cowles Project. We're not going to put an estimator project manager. The reason I have these cells here is uh, so that we can actually sort. If you know anything about spreadsheets, if I want to figure out estimator Andy's bonus for the quarter, all I do is we go into a column like this. We sort. A to Z, and it'll actually take all of Andy's jobs and put them there. Then I can calculate his bonus easily, right? And then revenue per hour, GP, material, labor, revenue. So first thing we do here, we, we enter in some stuff. So we'll just say Justin was the estimator. Justin was 
Also the project manager on that. Revenue for the project, Justin, 2048, 2048. All right, now look at this. We're starting to get some information. If you want to make, if you want to make $75 of revenue per hour, you need to produce that job in 23.2 hours, give or take. Now you can change this, you can change this, right? Not perfect, it's just an hourly budget you can give to your painters as predicted. Because job costing is reactive. You only know job costing after the job is done. So you, it's, it's really tough to give painters saying, well, let's just hope for the best and do the job well and we'll see how the job costing works. For me, that's not good enough. What you need to do is say, um, hey, painter, here's our plan. 23.2 hours, let's get this thing done. Let's make a project plan based on that. So now let's get into coatings and labor, all right? We have this section here where you can automatically put people in. So let's think about six rooms sold, <clears throat> took 24 hours to complete. All right, so uh, what I'll need, Justin, if you're, if you're still watching, I need the actual labor cost. If it was one person, give me their hourly rate, but I do need to know the cost of those 24 hours. So basically you can say painter X, uh, let's just call him Justin as well. The rate, we do know um, uh, we can go with total labor, but it'd be more accurate if you can give me the rev uh, the wage per hour and the number of, uh, you have hours. Oh yeah, so I need, I need the cost of labor. So you can either give me how many hours and what you paid that painter the wage, or you can give me the total cost of labor, Justin, if you have it. Otherwise I'm gonna approximate a number. So let's see here, there's 24 hours. And if by the time we're done calculating this, Justin, you can give me that number, I'll change it. I'm just gonna assume that Justin, let's just say Justin painted this himself. We're gonna charge him $30 an hour, all right? So that'll give us a total um, total wages of 720. We add in a 25% burden, that'll give us 900 in labor. Let's go to coatings as well too. So paint was 441. Typically what I like to do is, uh, what we do is, okay, 720. Yep, there. Ah, look at this, Justin. Seven twenty. We added in a one hundred and eighty burden. Boy, do I know the industry. That was a good guess on my part. So, okay, <clears throat> coatings. Typically, what I like to do is SW duration mat, and then enter in the number of gallons. I don't know. I'll just call it eight, give or take. Uh, cost per gallon, and then this. And I just get this from my invoice. Now, this is just a nice thing to keep track of how many. Uh, most most of the time in companies, this is the only way that people track this stuff. And for me, you can mine this for a lot of data, which is you can start getting, um, okay, that's eight gallons. Love that man. Love that man. Uh, so good guesses on my part here. Uh, um, it's almost like I know the industry. Uh, so what you can do is also start getting production rates and spread rates and things like this uh, and use this job costing for the basis on which you create an estimating, a, a production-based estimating thing. So we're just going to type it in here. Uh, two coats, eight gallons. Uh, let's see, material cost was 441. So we're just going to put that in there. This is not doing cost per gallon. Actually, we can go back end and do that divided by that. That'll actually give us the cost per gallon. 55.13 a gallon, Justin Cowles. And so let's see how you did. All right, we got lots of reds here. So $66.96 uh, of revenue generated per hour. We have materials, uh, excuse me, material 21.5%. Labor was 43. So remember our benchmarks are 15%. Oops. Our benchmarks for labor are 40%. Our GP benchmark is 45%. So we missed it on this one, given all this information is the same here. Now we can start asking ourselves a bunch of questions. It looks like you went, I do this calculation as well too. If the budget is 23.2, 
and it took 24 hours, if you want to produce $75 of revenue per hour, you are over budget by 3.4%. I also give this calculation here because um, this is how I uh, uh, give my painters raises based on how many of these jobs are red versus green, give or take. Now, we have two ways that we can figure this out. Uh, maybe three if you do a hybrid. Um, if, if you were the fastest, best painter ever, Justin, and you did this the best, the best, the best you ever could in the history of earth, then you know you can't take hours off, right? I would argue that's usually not the case. Not, not particular to you, Justin. But, and let's say, okay, if, if there's no way you can paint this better or faster in that time, then you're going to have to change your revenue. Here, folks, you're going to see this in real time how I mess with price in my company. People always say, what do you charge for X? You do a room, you do this, and or you do a job, you do this. And now when Justin has six rooms to do again, this is what we do. Well, we say, okay, if I know for certain that I painted faster and better, that the fastest and the bestest I ever could, we're going to mess with price. So let's just start increasing the price. 2100 instead of 2148. That didn't move it. It moved a little closer. Let's do 2300. Oh, all of a sudden labor was good. And we made over $77 of revenue an hour. We also got under budget because it gave us a budget of 26 instead of what was it, 23. But get this, our GP is still low because materials is high, right? So then let's give it a 2,500. Materials is still high, but we passed our GP mark because labor was lower. So let's go 2,400. Nope, 2,450. We just bumped over the 45% gross profit mark. So in an experiment, you limit the variables. Now, if your painting is wild and all over the place and you have variable hours, you, you didn't use the right paint, you didn't estimate it right, now you got three variables, right? But let's say it was the best paint, the cheapest price you could get it for, and you, you could not, you could not produce it better or faster. Now you have to mess with price. And I would argue the next time you do this, you're going to have to go from, what was that, 2080? 2048 to 2450. So that is a price increase of, let's just call that 400 bucks, 400 divided by, no, we'll stop that. Let's do some math right here. 20%. I would argue that if all those things are equal, if you, if you charge 20% more, that is a very profitable project. Now let's get rid of this stuff and let's go back to 2048. Okay. Now, as it stands right now, this is not a good project, but the problem is what I see in the industry most, people love to fixate on price. I will say this. Now, what if we're going to do this? We're going to change this and say, okay, let's, let's say you used eight gallons. Let's say you went down to super paint and you only got 29 bucks per gallon. Now, all of a sudden, look at this. If you could get by with super paint instead of $55 a gallon, give or take, what about $29 a gallon? All of a sudden materials is low, labor gets closer and you're 0.3% away from hitting gross profit, right? Now, typically I would never say use a lesser product, but I wanna make sure because 55 bucks a gallon, especially at a contractor discount, still pretty expensive paint. Say even if, uh, even if you use a very high quality paint, used eight gallons of duration, you know, and let's just say you're at even 45 you're still pretty far away from there. So let's let's keep materials. Let's just say we do, let's get back to material, which is, I'm looking back for your number here, 441. We're gonna get rid of this and we're just gonna go 441. 
Okay. So let's say that is, that's the best price ever. It's awesome. We're not changing materials. Guess what's left, Justin and everybody else, your labor. So now here's the thing that I would argue that we all need to change before anything else, which is we always want to fixate on the price of the project. Great. I would, I would argue we should charge more anyway. Don't worry about the materials. I would use the premium stuff. And if $55 a gallon is your thing, I would do that. Here's the thing I would change. Uh, the benchmark in my company is four hours per bedroom. If you had six rooms, yep, 24 hours right there. Here's the deal. As a master craftsperson, my benchmark per room used to be two and a half hours. And that's a pretty leisurely pace. I mean, it's fast, right? But it's a leisurely pace for me. I've proven I can do it in about an hour and 20 minutes, a bedroom, my full SOP. So let's just say that it took two and a half hours per room. So we're going to go 2.5 hours times six. That's 15 hours. So let's say you just rock it out. Day and a half, you paint six rooms, which arguably I would say for a master craftsperson, highly motivated. Uh, this is uh, this is what they would do. So let's go 15 hours total. Oops. We don't want to do that. I'm going to get rid of my da, 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 da. at 30 bucks an hour, 15. So now we got 562 in labor and look at that. Rocket it. The easiest way, the easiest way to get yourself into profitability is to paint better and faster. I would argue it should be a combination of increasing your price a little, being cautious with materials. But honestly, when I look at the industry, it's mainly just hustling. It's just hustling. Manrique Zalea is the four hours per room walls only. Yes, walls only. Walls only, walls only, walls only. Yep. Now, here's the thing. Let's go back. Let's leave your materials the same. And Justin, I want to thank you for being the guinea pig on this one. This is a real world experience right here. So let's just say... You did not do this yourself and you have a relatively good craftsperson and an apprentice, right? So let's say we got uh, an apprentice. We'll say, uh, let's see, da, 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 da. Kelly, the apprentice is making 20 bucks an hour. And let's see, and let's go, um, let's go Slater making 25. So a young craftsperson, a crew leader. And if we have the if we have a 23.2 budget, I would urge my crews to always make a plan for 10% under. So let's just say it's a, if we have six rooms, let's see if we can do three rooms a piece. That's 10 hours a piece. So we do 10 here. We do 10 here. That gives us 20 hours of labor, 562. Oh, look at that. It's a pretty good job costing. So now we take Justin out of the equation and we show you what an employee model looks like. The revenue is the same, the material is the same, but now labor is pretty low. Materials is still high relatively, but we have 51% GP when our goal is that. This is an example of a two-person crew. One making 20 bucks an hour for a full 10-hour day, one making 25. Now, let's just say we're at 23 and we're doing 29. See how that changes it. Oh, we still hit GP. We still hit GP. So this is how we sort of bookend numbers, which is what's the high, what's the low, what happens when we mess with the variables, and it's not a feelings-based thing. So, all right, I'm going to show you an example of typically what happens in my company and others when we do this. We got a, we got a person, we got, uh, we got a three person crew now. And this person, we'll just call it making 23 as well. We'll go 22. Nope, not 222. All right. So typically what we'll do is on that project, what we'll end up finding is that this takes 11, 
11 and 11. There is not that much efficiency, give or take with that. This would be the data point in my company, which is monster loser, monster loser. Now your company may be one of those companies you can stack people on and you get equivalent amounts of production. I've not seen that in my company, not because my people are bad, just because that's what the data tells me to do. So Justin, that's a great example there. Now I'm going to show you one more example. When I look into master craftspeople from all over the country, this is what I find, which is, okay, we have six rooms. Yeah. Let's say there is uh, somebody really rocking and rolling. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, Fred, their rate, let's just call it, you know, 30 bucks an hour. It takes them 1.5, uh, maybe even two hours per bedroom, give or take with just the walls. We have six, 24. Oh, that was Justin's example. Sorry. Yep. That same thing there. That gives us not good job costing. So, all right, let's, uh, sorry, I was going down a rabbit hole there, but we already had done that with Justin. So, all right, uh, that's Justin's example there. Um, what I am going to do is, da, 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 let's see what else we got here. If nobody else has any more examples, I think that might end up being the show for today. I'm going to get rid of these because this is my template. This is the actual template I'm going to be sending you guys. Very user-friendly here. I'll scan for, I'll scan for any more questions. And I think we're gonna call it a day. Uh, my daughter has a uh, dance tournament to go to. So uh, we'll probably, okay. Uh, let's see, Green GP comes from top rung in 32. Uh, let's see, we have furniture to move. It's walls only, people are asking on IG. Yes, it's walls only. If we move the furniture, uh, that is a four-hour bedroom as a standard in my company. So, Justin, you're right on there. All right. I think, let's see if I can. I think that might be it, folks. This has been an awesome show. we got tons of people uh, tons of people watching. Just know that I will, uh, I will be on here after uh, looking around uh, for any questions you guys might have. I want to personally thank you uh, for... Do, 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 do. Thank you, Nick. How do we get the template again? All right, folks, there literally is a show post above with my email address in it. If you cannot see it now, you will see it after the show is posted. Um, yeah, just awesome here. Thank you guys for watching. This is always one of the greatest shows of the year. If you haven't already, share, share, share. This means the world to me. We have an insane amount of viewers watching right now. I am not a coach. I don't have anything to sell you. I don't have a training process. I don't have a marketing system. I am literally just here trying to help you guys in the way that you have helped me. And uh, um, so if you email me, nick at nickslavic.com, all this will be in the in the show post. Um, I will gladly send you this template, my steps to professionalization. And if you have questions, I can help you. And I just want to thank every one of you for spending a Saturday morning with me. This is always one of the most popular shows of the year, which shows you what a nerd I am and what a nerd you guys are for having job costing be it and not actual painting and stuff like that. But I just want to thank you guys. Um, share, 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 share. Put it in your story. Put it in the painter uh, groups, everything else. Uh, it's been an honor to do this with you guys. And have a great weekend and take care of your people. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.